Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Drug and alcohol abuse is a problem in society for many countries, particularly in Australia when it comes to alcohol. We get many questions, Mum, about how the family court views and deals with drugs and alcohol when it comes to parenting agreements and arrangements. So today's episode is going to be all about how the family court deals with it, the kind of orders that are placed, put in place and, and what you can do about it yourself. So we're going to be asking all the questions that we've been sent in over the last two years about it. That's in one go. One big go. So, Mum, I'm going to just first of all thank you for joining us for today's episode and sharing your knowledge with us. And secondly, I'm just going to start off with the blanket question. Does the family court actually care if the other parent is an alcoholic or is doing drugs? The key word is parent. If you're parenting and your conduct uh, as a parent or your ability to parent is impacted negatively by alcohol or drug abuse, the court very much cares about that and, and they don't want the children exposed to excess alcohol use or drug abuse that impairs the parent's capacity. So they do care. Yeah. So, for example, some of our listeners have said, you know, I'm really worried mm. my my ex-partner does drugs on the weekend, little Johnny is sometimes there or they do drug deals or, you know, they're drinking oh, yes. themselves in the morning. Mm. So when you say the court does care, how, how just as a nutshell, how does the court kind of deal with that okay. issue? First of all, you need to prove that the other person takes drugs um, or drinks alcohol to excess. And there are a number of drug tests that can be ordered by the court on your request. Um, hair testing, they can take a piece of a person's hair and analyse it to see if they've been drinking alcohol, using marijuana or many other drugs in the previous three months. So it kind of catches up with you. Yeah. And, yeah, and they can do random drug tests. So, um, so sometimes what the court says is, look, if you've proved it, if, if this person is taking drugs, then the children's time with them needs to be managed so that they're not uh, imp- exposed to it. So maybe they would say um, that if the parent turns up to pick up the children and they are under the influence of alcohol or, or drugs, they don't get the children that day. They give one parent the power to stop the children going. All right, before you get ahead yeah. of yourself, let's <laughs> back it up. So you've said, okay, so sometimes the court will try and get proof, so through a hair follicle test or whatever yeah. that magic science is at the moment. Do you have to prove to the court that you need the proof? Does that make sense? So yeah. if you want a hair follicle uh, test, can you just say it to the judge or do you need proof first? Well, you can't have that? proof usually. People, it's the sort of thing that's usually done behind closed doors. So if you just raise the issue with the court, in, one of, in the yes. first hearing, you say, I'm concerned and this is why. I'm concerned about drug taking because when we were married, we both took drugs or when we were married, she took drugs or or I've noticed her behaviour or she's been in rehab, whatever it is. Um, and that will be enough for the court to act what they call out of an abundance of caution and say, well, all right, until we get some clear drug tests, uh, mm. the children are going to either not go or they're going to be supervised. So you need once the court is aware there's a possibility, then the t- hair tests or whatever tests we've got 
um, may prove that there's nothing to worry about or it may back up your allegation because a lot of people don't know. Uh, You might Mm. say, I'm worried she could be taking drugs. She may have started taking drugs again. Now we're separated, you know, anything like that. So normally that's enough to make the court stop and, and have a go at looking at some testing. And if the testing comes back positive, then they, well, we all know then. If it comes back negative, uh, then usually the court will just say, well, the presumption of shared parenting is not rebutted because of that and we will move on to more normal time for the children and their father or their mother. Okay, so all right. So you've you've said, hey, I'm worried about this drug or alcohol Mm. issue. They've done testing. It's come back and there's some evidence of it. Mm. So how does the court then still allow because we know that the Family Law Act says that the children have a right to both parents. Mm. How do they still allow it to happen so that the children still get to see their parent? Maybe they've got an alcoholic problem and they're trying to deal Mm. with it. Maybe they're going to rehab. How how does it work around that? So you're right. The the children have a right to know and be cared for by both parents and that's the object of the Act. The primary objectives of the Act are that the children uh, are kept um, have a right to know both parents, right, and have spend time with both parents, but that they are also protected from harm. And the third part of that now is that where those points are finally balanced, whereas they need to see their parent, but their parent might might be um, taking alcohol or drugs, and in and the kids are exposed to harm, then the court will prioritise keeping the children safe until those orders come through. Sometimes they do things like order supervised time uh, for the parent or uh, if the parent has a particular problem and it's evenings, uh, you might be able to say that they have daytime only. Um, You know, I've had orders where we made sure the children didn't go uh, over Christmas and New Year because a person just used to really get into the alcohol on that time so yeah so the court works around it so there's no one solution fits all it's a look at the puzzle and figure out what is the best way to ensure the children are safe but they still get to see their parent Mm. Uh, and whether that's through supervised time or strategically placed time are there any conditions put in orders Mm. for people that do alcohol yes so so if there's if there is evidence um, through a drug test or, or even an admission uh, about taking alcohol, then the court can make orders. Things like uh, they can make any time with the children uh, conditional upon that parent providing a hair sample and getting a clear hair follicle test. Or if they've been a long-term drug user, it might be three hair follicle tests and after that they can go on to a more normal regime uh, so they can, like I said, they can do supervised time and there's degrees of, of as you know, of, of taking things. There might be someone who just takes something at dances. That's not going to disqualify them from parent, you know, parenting. So the, it's all about the children, the best interests of the children. And so the court has to do a, a style for each one. And they might order, for instance, that regular hair follicle testing hands or regular drug tests. Um, they might um, say that the independent children's lawyer or the the other parent could request a, a random drug test, and that and that the parent who's who apparently is taking drugs or alcohol must immediately within twenty four hours go and get a test. 
because some drugs mm. rush, wash through the system quite quickly. Yeah, and mm. so there's a few checks and balances. Some people, of course, just can't um, can't get off it, and the court doesn't really set them up for failure. If if a person says, oh, "I'll never pass that test," then the court will look at other ways for safe right. interaction. So it might be. Uh, at the person's mother's place, the grandma's place, or it might be video time, or it might, if that's not possible, it might be just cards and letters. Hmm. Okay. Can I ask then, touch on supervised time a bit more, because hmm. there's plenty of types of supervised yeah. time that parents can work together with. Hmm. But what about before court? So most of the people that have reached out to us, they're not in the court system yes. yet. They're trying to navigate this parenting plan. Yeah strange baby steps parts from they've just separated they don't want to go to court but they also they're like my ex is really drunk they came and picked him up maybe what can people do in those don't hand the children over if someone comes to your house drunk to pick up and it's just generally don't yeah there's no court orders um and possibly even if there are court if the person is completely off their face why would you hand a little one over to them and a lot of it depends on the age of the kids, you know. Um, so you might, in these early stages, it might be that your ex-partner is able to stop or able to not take drugs or drink alcohol on that weekend. Or there may be people who just can't stop. And you will know that about your ex. If they're completely addicted, then I, would, I wouldn't be sending the child if there was a risk to the child and let the other party go to court. To start the proceedings and and then you know that way you're not sort of um i guess you're not driving it it's their control they're the ones who can stop taking the drugs or who who can stop drinking alcohol and so mm. if you haven't got orders you haven't gone to court just say that you know no the family doing it until you yeah sort yourself that's right because that's protecting it the is children. it's just sensible protection of the children but you can do other stuff um it might be that you might be able to have your children talk to them in the morning on FaceTime or, or something or Teams because they're okay in the mornings, do you know? Just okay. So as long as you do, so what the court looks at when they come back and examine your conduct, right, before mm-hmm. you got to court and say, well, was she really or he really just being elbows out and not having, not promoting that relationship or was that person doing enough, as just enough to keep the kids safe but allowing the relationship to continue. And and I think that sometimes those uh, phone and FaceTime things are a way of of getting around the risk to the children of going for a whole weekend. Other times people just take them for daylight hours, you know, Mm. or smaller blocks of time. Okay, well, let's look at that. Mm. So some of our listeners, they've got an ex who's obviously going on a massive bender Mm. and they're just always drunk or they're always off their face Mm. or they seem to, it seems a risky thing. Mm. So they're not worried about getting in trouble from the court when they do Mm. go to court because I'm guessing maybe that the other party might file in the court to see access to their children. So you say to, to the court when you do get dragged to court, but I've tried this. Yes. I've tried this. So what kind of things can they try? What kind of things can you try in supervised time, which means your children will be safe yes. even though, even though. there may be a risk of those kind of alcohol or yes. drug issues. And you've got someone who's responsible who might move the children away if it's apparent the parents impaired. Yeah, so um yeah, you can you can make orders that are more daytime orders. The court will have a look and say 
what have you done, what have you tried to do, and you can ask the other side for a drug test. You know, look, I hear you, you say you're not doing it anymore. My lived experience with you is you do. Um, but if you can go and get me a clear urine test or a clear blood test, then we can move, you know, to spend more time. But um, until I get that, I'm going to assume that you you wouldn't pass it. Um, you know, so some people in themselves, the person using it, they know that it's impairing them if if yeah. it is. But if they if they're clean and they've just become clean, and your your worries are false, they should um, do the clear do the drug test and prove it to you. So the court will generally, if you get to court in there, the court will generally want a few drug tests over a few months um, yeah. to prove that this worry is is unfounded and so often it's the both parents used to do it and then, well that's what my next yeah. question was what what is it, it what happens if both parents are actually doing it like maybe i don't know they smoke weed on the weekends mm. together or they used to drink heavily in the mornings mm. i don't know what but maybe yeah. they do. Like, what happens if it's both what does the court do if it's both parents well there's no magic pop up parent um, for for them, it's you or or the other party, or is it Department of Child Safety? So I assume the people listening to this podcast are either are one of the parties, you know, one of the parents. And so if yeah. you used to do it, stop it, um, and prove that you've stopped it uh, yeah. by doing a drug test yourself. Maybe even preempt. So if the other person, if you say, I'm not letting you have time with them until you give me a clear drug test and they go to court, it's going to look pretty odd if they say, oh, well, but she did too or he did too. So I would be proactive and go and get some clear tests, get my hair done, um, checked. And then I can say, no, I don't. I've stopped that since we've been together, uh, you know, since we separated mm. and I'm a reliable parent. Well, that would be great. Mm. So a lot of people that have written into us are worried. They go, oh, no, what happens if I do stop my children from going, they do take me to court mm. and he has stopped or she has stopped by the time we end up in court because that can be a couple yeah. of months. Yeah. Is there some sort of evidence that they can have to show the judge, look, I, I, I did think, I think at the time you write an open, not in trouble? Yeah, you write an open letter to the other person. In other words, don't put without prejudice on it. You write to them and say, I think you're still taking drugs. Would you give me a clear drug test um, or give me a hair follicle test? I'm prepared to pay for it all. We can pay half each. And when I get that clear test, then you can start having time with the kids, you know, week about or or on weekends or whatever. Um, when they go to court and say she won't let me or he won't let me see my kids, you can produce that letter and you've given yes. them the trigger to allow them to have normal time. They didn't have to go to court. They All they needed to do was go and get a, a drug test and give it to you and everything would have been fine. The court will assume under the rules of evidence if they haven't gone and done that test they, they will assume that it's because they know it won't be clean. And so you've got your evidence. So you, what you, you've got your evidence because they didn't, didn't go. go. And, and it's the, the test for those sort of things is to protect, to do just enough to protect the children, but don't impinge on uh, their relationship with the other parent. So, you yeah. know, if it's, um, if they're, if they're not seeing the kids but they can have phone or Teams contact and all of that sort of stuff, that's a good way of starting off, just precautionary, uh, being careful. So, yes, you've got to come, you've got, the court's going to look at you and say, is this person 
trying to cut this other parent out? Is, is he or she mad at the other person? Um, or is, is, um, is she really protecting the kids and not doing anything beyond just protecting the kids? Or is he doing that? It's a really hard thing to, mm. to be in a position where if I can imagine it as a parent thinking, oh, wow, if I hand my child over and that person's doing drugs mm. or alcohol, like is it the right thing to do? But then also in the back of the listeners' heads, they might be going, but I don't want to get in trouble by the mm. court mm. and is doing the wrong thing or lose my children because yep. of it. So I can understand there is a huge internal yep. role. But as you've said, as long as you're protecting yourself by asking them for proof yep. and if you're not giving it, then you've got that as yep. proof yep. if you ever do you ever find people that they might be alcoholics or drug addicts and they don't provide the proof and they just don't ever try to see the children but then come back later it like a year later mm. completely better yep. or does that happen yeah. at all? and that's like they are themselves admitting that they can't parent and, and a lot of people like being addicted to drugs or alcohol is a lot like just a broken leg or some other injury that impedes you and those mm. people deep down generally know when they don't want to be around their kids they're not bad people they're just in the grip of something bad and uh, when they do recover I imagine they'll produce those clear tests so what you need to have is a pathway for them to follow to to have time with the children and it's in their the ball's in their court. They can either do yep. the test or not do the test. If they're not doing the test, it's probably because it's going to come out badly for them. But if in mm. a year they've sorted themselves out, they go and do the test and have a clear test, then you can go, oh, great, well, now these, this can happen. So that is a reasonable way to demonstrate to the court if they do take you to court that you've been reasonable and just protecting your little ones. Okay, now let's go on a different thread okay. here. And they're not crazy, like they're not drunk all the time. Mm. They're not doing drugs all the time. And I guess drugs is probably a hard no, but I get the vibe, especially in Australia, because alcoholism seems to be like a massive thing. Everybody drinks all the time. Yeah. Uh, and it does seem to be accepted for people to drink every day. Mm. Um, what if, you know, you get the test or, or, you don't get the test, but it's like their their alcoholism is functional, functional, and you know they're they're drinking all the time, mm. but it's not going to be bad enough for them not to see the children. How how do the courts mm. negotiate around that? because well, I, I get the point. There's a lot of functioning alcoholics out of there. Course. You're invited to our free live webinar where we will take you through the processes and steps you need to follow to get your divorce finally sorted. We also have a live Q&A with Lynn, our podcast host, where you can ask those questions that have been burning in your mind. Whether you're stuck at the beginning of deciding to divorce or you're struggling your way through the legal process, we are here for you. Jump on the website at www.thedivorcecourse.com.au and reserve your seat today. Hurry, tickets are limited but it's free. We'll see you there. What if, you know, you get the test or or you don't get the test, but it's like their their alcoholism is functional functional, and you know they're they're drinking all the time, Mm. but it's not going to be bad enough for them not to see the children. How how do the courts Mm. negotiate around that? Because I I get the point there's a lot of functioning alcoholics out there. Of course, yeah. 
Yeah. A lot of functioning dates as well, I think, with marijuana. Yep. Um, so I think that the court makes orders um, that say that, not like an injunction, that usually they'll say neither parent, even though it might just be one and we all know it's her that's going to be drinking or him that's going to be drinking, um, that neither party uh, take alcohol um, in excess uh, either 24 hours before they have the children or while they've got the children um, or okay. that neither party drink alcohol to a level where they would be un, um, where they would be over the legal limit for driving. Right? Right. But it's pretty hard yeah. to police, but still, or they can, they don't deliver the children. I mean, one of the quieter ways that you can deal with it, if you know someone, they can pick them up in the morning probably, but they're going to be, you know, hopeless by the afternoon. Uh, you might mm-hmm. arrange that you're the person who collects the children or collect them earlier. So you'll know the patterns of the people and, and you try and sort of work around that. Always being careful for the children's sake, really. Well, that's right. I think the transportation. Yes. But also supervision, I guess, you know, um, I have heard that the courts can order different drug and alcohol counselling. Yeah, they can. Part of the order. They can. Um, but, again, you can do these things, but whether you take them on board. So uh, there's been a case recently where the judge found that a, a person was an unacceptable risk because of their um, drug drug abuse. Um, but then mm-hmm. after two years had put an order, said that for two years it's supervised and then after two years the child will go unsupervised and that was successfully appealed because there was no trigger. There was just an assumption that in two years' time this person would be well, again, well, no, the full court said no, there's no evidence there. The court is very reluctant to order full-time supervised time, like forever. Uh, they'll do it as an interim order. Um, but for long term, there needs to be some provision for a re- review. Now, they balance that with the kids not being good for the kids to repeatedly be back in court. But on the other hand, if the other person has a chance to kind of redeem themselves, I guess, in the eyes of the court, if they get their act together, they have clear drug tests and still the person, the other person won't let them have the kids, then they need to be able to go back to court. So you usually would put a notation there that, you know, upon the person producing two or three clear drug tests, they're they're entitled to bring an application back to the court if, time doesn't resume yes there's lots of ways around that yeah Mm, mm. Mm. and I look what I'm I'm sure you've had over your 35 years of experience a a fair few whack of clients or clients on the other side the other side's Mm. client um, who have had alcohol or drug issues is there anything that you could think of to share with maybe someone who's listening today who who's going through this process at the moment and is just feeling a bit lost is there anything is this that for the person who is taking the drugs or the other person the other person yeah. I think you need to be brave um, and stick up for your children because whatever happens to the kids will will go with them forever and remember that the family court only has jurisdiction over children that the state governments don't have in their sort of as wards of the state or, or made or child protection orders about so if you're concerned and you're not in the family court yet and you've got some evidence, it may be better for you to contact the children's services or their equivalent in your state, uh, Department of Mm. Child Safety, whatever they're called, and make a report about the risks. If, you know, if the child comes back and has been, daddy was drinking or mummy was taking drugs, you know, and, and then, like I said, be brave, but report it to the authorities 
um, and that will give you some protection and sometimes the state will step in and say, no, this child doesn't go to this person anymore. Okay, so you don't, if, if it's really bad mm. and someone reports it to child services mm. or the protection agency for your state, mm. then sometimes they'll step in and do the yeah. knowing instead of having to yeah, go to court. sometimes they will, yeah, because it, they'll operate in the state courts. They're very, uh, yeah, general advice, they're very overworked at the moment, yes. but that's your yeah. other option. Yes, but be strong and be clear. If you are stopping all time, um, and there's no court order, then you need to be very clear why I put that in the letter. I've stopped it because last Sunday, you know, uh, little Jimmy was left on without any food or whatever, you know, came home with a soaking nappy and you were drunk, all that sort of thing. Put the reasons in and then put the pathway for them to get back on track having regular time and, and just be child-focused. You don't want your kids remembering people, their parent like that. No. What happens if you've got court orders or interim orders mm. even and, or a parenting agreement even and, I don't know, maybe they hit 40 or they hit 60 and they have a midlife crisis mm. and you've been separated for years and all of a sudden they're, they're going disco dancing and pinging pingers or whatever it is that they're doing, you know, or, or they're completely, they just go completely yeah. off. Maybe they have a relationship and that person's totally yeah. into that and they just on the bandwagon and you maybe I don't know needles or whatever and you have a look and and what do you do then because you've got court orders you have to follow them well you can enter a parenting plan if the other person agrees that it's good that they don't see the kids for a little while you can write a parenting plan to alter those earlier orders and that'll hold up okay. in court um if okay. you feel you you must to protect the children there are reasonable um, excuses for stopping kids going in accordance with orders, but the court is pretty hard on anyone who does. So you better have your arguments good and clear and your evidence yeah. good and clear. Um, and I would be immediately filing in the court, um, trying for mediation again, get your 60i certificate for children. If, if it's too urgent, just immediately file an interim application to the court to get the orders changed or suspended until such time as this person has some clear tests or, you know, a psychiatrist or whatever, whatever the court thinks is needed to get everyone yeah. back on the on the trolley smoothly okay. parenting this child. Okay. Does that happen often with any of your mm. people? Yes. So, yes, orders, they, they just, children's orders, it's terrible because we try to crystal, gaze, crystal ball gaze and sometimes orders are made when kids are five and we think we're doing well if we can sort of manage to add in steps that get them to high school. But really there's things, lots of things change and there's a need mm. to change order. And you just know that a judge, if he was in, if he had those facts in front of him, would change the orders. And that's why the court, the Act has that thing. The Act says if there's a reasonable excuse, um, and you need, because the court judges aren't there in your lounge room or seeing it, the kids being dropped off, you need to step in and, and get, have your excuse and it has to be reasonable, okay, and yeah. reasonable um, reason why you're not and have your evidence and be prepared to d defend yourself. Okay, so, yes, the family court mm. cares about drug and alcohol. Yeah. Even though it seems to be in Australia particularly everybody drinks a fair bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> It just seems to be that the very typical Aussie. I, I just um, say, Laura, it's not because I drink. 
Yes, you're saying that everybody drinks. It's not her kind of experiences. <laughs> no, no, you never drink, actually, which is why I'm not going to go there. So before court, you just try and negotiate it the best you yep. can, knowing that the, keeping the kids are safe as That's possible. That's right, yeah. Um, not using it as an as an excuse. As you know in your heart mm. that you're using it as a weapon going, oh, he does drugs or he does alcohol. I know that, so I'm going to withhold the children. Don't do that because it's not going to end well mm. down the track. But if it's genuine and you're concerned for their safety, you've asked for them to do proof, you've asked for them mm. to show you, you've got a letter that you can show the judge if you get to court that you did try, then the next step is go through the supervised time options so mm. you can... Uh, go to a contact centre. They're quite expensive. So if you can get maybe the grandparents to supervise mm. for them so they're there with other adults yes. or you do it during the daytime only if you know that they're heavy drinkers at night or, um, you know, at events where there's other people. Mm. So there's so many things you can do, FaceTime, mm. all of that. You can. There's no need to completely cut the children off. No. It's just making sure it's in a safe environment. Yeah, that's right. In court, then obviously, if you you know you need to if have that court orders, yeah, because there's and penalties for not following court orders, and so yes. the court, you know, that you will be put on the carpet, and there's fines, community service, parenting plans. There's even ultimately jail if the court thinks. What does put on the carpet mean? Oh, uh, carpeted, put on the mat. You have to stand in front of the court, and you they're going to be going at you. Why did you do this? And you have to be prepared to explain. Yeah. 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 And so you really got to make sure you're doing it for yeah. the right reason yeah. and you've got all the proof in the world because, yeah, yeah breaking court orders is a big no-no. My last question to you then, Mum, is what if the kids are doing it? Is there, Do the, do oh, the court Lord. ever deal with children doing drugs and alcohol in parenting orders or is that just the court's just like, that's not my problem? Well, I think the key is it's a parenting order and the parents need to do something about it. So the court can't make mm-hmm. orders against children. They can't say little Jimmy must not um, spend, you know, little Jimmy must cease spending time on his computer. No, they'll say that yep. the parent, and so the, the parent shall ensure that children or whatever. So if one yep. parent is is very liberal, um stupidly liberal by the sounds of it, to let the kids take drugs or, you know, or encourages them to take drugs, um, then the the appropriate thing for the court to do is have a look at the other parent. And if that's a better environment where they're not invited to take drugs, where the parent parents and stop, you know, mm. keeps their behaviour under control, then usually the court will order the child to go, order the parent to have that child with them. Um, it gets tricky when the kids are older. Uh, it's yeah. really tricky when the kids are older, but there's nothing to do, nothing to be done. It'll just be treating, having a child um, the same as, I guess, kind of having a mental illness or, or a, and some other disability and who's the parent best equipped to cope with that. Yeah. Wow. Wow, yeah. that's horrible. I hope nobody listening gets that as a problem. No. But no, that's the whole drug and alcohol aspect of it is quite tricky, mm. and I guess if you're saying and maybe you are going through a hard time and maybe you've lent on alcohol or maybe lent on drugs to get you through the divorce. Um, This is a good wake-up call, I guess, for Mm. you to be like, hey, this can affect your ability to parent and see your children. Mm. Does it affect property settlement? Oh, only in a very rare sort of case. So there was a case some years ago called Kennan's case where the person, he, I think it was drinking, um, he, yeah. he, when he was drunk, he committed domestic violence. 
and the domestic violence was so great that it impaired the lady, Mrs. Kennan's, ability to do her job and and to work and that she had residual injuries, I think, to her shoulders. So it's a very limited effect um, that it had and it's a, a rare case where there's enough where there was enough alcohol abuse or drug abuse during the family that it impacted to that extent. Um, sometimes if you've got uh, someone who just was had checked out basically, you know, come home, sit in the lounge, drink, not do anything with the children, that might have an impact, um, particularly if there were renovations and, and, other, and if you were the only one working and the other person was drinking, it might give a little bit of a percentage difference. But, again, I think it's like really heavy gambling. Um, the, the court understands people fall into these things and they, it's not really voluntary. They, they can't always get out without help. So it's not so, really. So they can't use it as an excuse that they've got alcoholism so they need more in the future needs? Because, no, no, absolutely okay. not. Absolutely not. Because why would the court give them extra to pay for their alcohol? That's the truth. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. No. All right. Um, any last words for anybody listening who's going through mm. a really stressful time with their mm. thinking that maybe? children are being exposed to this um in a in a, in a bad way well Mark? knowing this is general advice only and i'm relating to the law in australia i think the only comfort i can give you uh, apart from what we've been talking about is that the littler kids are more worrying worry for the mum or the dad to let them go but as they get older they begin to develop their own strategies but you don't want them getting hardened but you know if they go to a parent who um, might forget to get them breakfast or be sleeping in the morning. Well, a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old could probably get their own cereal in the morning, but you you would have more concern if it was a toddler or a young child. So um, generally, in reality, if you think it's reasonable uh, for mm-hmm. the child to go or if you think it's unreasonable for the child to go and you've searched your heart and you know it's not malice or or revenge or you know, any sort of point scoring from your part, if it's just your genuine belief and you think you can convince the court, well, the court does understand in most cases. I think sometimes people don't ask the court or or don't explain to the court the change. And then I think sometimes the judge is a bit horrified that their orders have been still followed. So this is is general advice only because um, if you've got court orders and they're they are binding. You better go and see a lawyer if you're really thinking of changing them long term. But in the in the moment, the court expects you to be the parent. So, yeah, I think um, video is good these days. We used to have to yeah. say things like, oh, he was drunk, and the judge goes, well, you know, your client's not, not able to determine if someone's drunk. But if they were slurring and they were walking unsteadily and, look, here's a video, then the court would go, well, yeah, why would you send a child with that person? So Yeah, so video. Yeah. Recording yeah. is a great way to say, look, I couldn't hand my kids over because look at how yeah. crazy. And, and don't, if you do that, don't just sit on your hands. You need to bring an application to the court to get the orders changed and that will yeah. be your evidence. And I would say by the sounds of it, if you do have a child that is going with a functioning alcoholic mm. or someone who is drinking all the time but, you know, the court deemed them safe, then Maybe go and uh, organise counselling for them because, yeah. you know, but if they're getting their own breakfast and doing that kind of thing, there's a thing called parentification yes, where the child is after the parent. Yeah. And do the driving, Laura. Do the driving 
So you do yeah. what you can from your end to minimise the time. And it may be yeah. that the person who does drink too much would rather not have the child overnight in the early morning. So you might yeah. pick him up just before dinner on a Saturday night. Yeah. And you can suggest that to them. Maybe they've got lots of pride and they don't want to, but mm. you can say, hey, uh, I know things are hard for you in the morning or in the evening. Mm. Would you like me to come pick little Johnny up early? Because if even if you've got court orders, if you both agree yeah. and it's in right, you're yeah. So give them an give them an opportunity an out to make it a different arrangement yeah. to cope with what they're dealing with. But anybody who is listening to yeah. this, if you are going through this, my heart goes out to you and your children, and and hopefully it will all get sorted out in the near future. Yeah. Um, go and listen to some of our other episodes on mediation because that would be brilliant mm-hmm. if you're having trouble with that. If you've got orders, go do some mediation. See if you can change things a bit. Um, but yes, definitely. Uh, thank you, Mum, for all your knowledge again. Well, and I hope I don't get anyone into trouble. <laughs> no, don't say the Divorce Course podcast told me <laughs> because this is general advice only. Yeah. You have to go and get uh, legal advice. Yeah. But, you know, um, it's a big, hard topic and I hope mm. that everybody doesn't have to deal with this and only a few people get to listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah, I hope so, too, right. darling. Thank you so much, Mark. Bye, and, um, if you're interested, you can go to www.thedivorcecourse.com.au and you can download some of our free checklists. You can have a look at some other episodes we've done uh, or you can sign up to do the course. Yes, yeah, we've got a good course about staying out of court. helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.